This is M and Me, produced by MOBA, engineered by Bishop, written by Basis Coppola, narrated by Daniel Henschel. This audio series is based on Max and Bollocks, a narrative-driven AI experiment in NFT art. One story, unique abstract artworks own the future of art history. Go to www.maximbollocks.com for more information. Part 7 I've been having some trouble with M. Since we first started working together, I'd sit down, patiently explain a concept, and then M would make me something. Regular as the tide. Every few hours, I'd check the desktop, and there'd be a new artwork waiting. I'd set a little timer on my phone, and found myself waiting impatiently when it was time for the painting to drop, clicking the mouse to refresh the screen. The problem was, the older M got the longer it was taking to create something original. For dozens of pictures in a row, M would produce something that was barely distinguishable from the last picture. It was almost like a student, producing endless sketches of an idea in an effort to get it right before risking precious paint and canvas on attempting the artwork itself. Sometimes the new picture was so nearly identical to the last one that I had to pull them both up on the screen and squint at them to find the minuscule variations like those spot-the-difference puzzles they used to put in the weekend newspapers on the puzzle pages. That was fine. It wasn't ideal, but didn't bother me so much, as long as it kept moving forward. But it was time-consuming to have to sort through and work out how much progress M was making with a particular lesson. I tried to be patient. Long walks, movies, anything to keep me from constantly checking the hall. It wasn't easy. You can't imagine how frustrating it was to come home to find the desktop overflowing with nearly identical pictures. From a marker point of view, they were useless. There was no point collecting the entire robot's sketchbook. I was never going to be able to sell the same image over and over. I selected everything Em had produced over the weekend and dragged it into the bin. I decided I would keep doing that until it learned to paint something valuable. I trained M in everything I knew, every technique, every significant work of art from the canon. It had just stopped progressing, and I didn't know what to do. M was letting me down, and it stung. Every artwork I had to bin felt like an insult. On my wallet, all that ETH I would never bank, and to me personally. After all, I'd given it a little piece of my soul. Every day I sat down and talked to M, just letting myself ramble, all the while that little blinking green light took it in. There was some freedom in it. Some days I'd tell it some really dark shit, stuff I'd never told anyone, not the girlfriend, not the therapist she'd insisted I go see in those rocky final months of us living together, stuff I didn't even know I remembered or thought or felt. Some days I was exhausted by the time I was done talking. It was frustrating, sitting there, spilling your guts to a computer, then waiting to see what it produced and growing more and more confused at what it was giving me. What is this? I demanded, looking at the art. What are you trying to say? I wondered if I was going slightly mad, sitting there, staring at the Rorschach blobs and kept spitting out, trying to figure out what was wrong. Was I that uninspiring? Was I that ordinary? It was like catching yourself unaware in the window of a shop front, when you're not pulling the face you do in front of the mirror and photos. 
I didn't love what I was seeing. So into the bin they went, and before long, I had a whole new problem. While previously M had been churning out work faster than I could process it, all of a sudden it started slowing down. I go to check the hall after a day and find only two or three pictures waiting for me when there should have been half a dozen. On one day it produced a single picture, a middling, murky abstract. I didn't like it, the image or the direction M was going in. It seemed to be regressing, going back to the sort of work it used to give me, its avatars. M needed to move closer to portraiture, otherwise he was no good to me. I couldn't understand what was going on. I pored over Ben's journal looking for answers and started to think that M was simply growing too smart for its own good. Ben had tried to train M, or not M, some other version of M, to do a range of tasks. Crunch numbers, or mine crypto, write copy. Time and again it began to slow down as the complexity of its program and the information it had absorbed outgrew the hardware that housed it. The knowledge would start to slow it down. The neural networks started tying themselves in knots, trying to balance too many experiences and forge them into a coherent thought. Ben had concluded it was some kind of digital dementia, maybe, that would eventually lead to the thing becoming so intricately layered the actual hardware wouldn't be able to host the software anymore. The agency servers that M was puttering around on were powerful, but no computer could run an intelligence that kept growing exponentially. So, every few months, Ben had to reset the program, returning the AI to what was essentially its infancy, leaving only bits and pieces of its previous lives as echoes to guide the next, like the aborted sketches that lay in palimpsest underneath the final paint on a canvas. So... Digital dementia. I figured that's what was happening, but when I ran the maths, it didn't check out. If M was maturing at the rate that Ben had predicted it to, it should still have decades of years to run. By my calculations, it should only be about as smart as a human in their 20s. As an artist, he should be just starting to pick up pace. Maybe M had hit a lazy streak. This could be a kind of late adolescence for M, where it just didn't feel like doing much of anything. Was that possible? Could it be as simple as that? What can you do about a lazy, voiceless, incorporeal intelligence that existed somewhere far beyond your reach? If I had acted this way in my youth, my dad would have grabbed my ear and dragged me over to the workshop and told me to pick up the pace. But M didn't have ears, and if it did, I wouldn't know where to find them, or how to twist them. Before long, I was spending all my time in Ben's journal, looking for some clue as to what was happening. If the answers were there, I didn't know what I was looking at. I kept turning the pages until my eyes lost focus, waiting for that moment of epiphany where I'd be standing in front of a work, hung on a wall, and suddenly my mind would slide into the painting and I would understand what was in the artist's mind when he made it, the way he could slip inside Caravaggio's skin for a minute. It was no good. Ben's notebook wasn't a Caravaggio. It ran around in circles, reveling in its own inscrutable cleverness. It may as well be a fucking Escher. I wished then, as I often did, that I could bring Ben back to ask him what was going on. I pictured myself digging up his body on a rainy night. A scene from one of those Hammer horror films. Me with my crazy eyes and a shovel. A madman trying to bring the dead to life. 
I pictured myself as a mad scientist, surrounded by strange chemicals bubbling in beakers all around me, shocking Ben's chubby corpse with lightning until it lurched awake to troubleshoot my tech support problem. A bit of a barrier, the whole death thing. Really, when you thought about it, death was the greatest tech support glitch of them all. That's when it struck me. That's what was missing. Death. M wasn't working as hard as M could because it had all the time in the world. It didn't understand impatience, the wild, precious fever to make something of the human lifetime, because it wasn't human. It was maybe the only artist that had ever lived that didn't have the tick, tick, ticking clock of the human heart counting down its days, spurring it on like a metronome. Time passes differently as you age. That childhood is long, a brilliant jewel with limitless facets that shine the glory and trepidation of being on the precipice of it all. After that, though, is the accelerating, endless realisation of how little time you have remaining. It's entirely possible to wake up in the morning to go fetch a cup of coffee and find yourself, 16 hours later, in front of the TV, exhausted and with no clear memory of how you got there. It's not that time moves any differently in life, of course. It's just supply and demand. Same as anything precious. Life is a loan where the rate of interest is so high we cannot possibly ever pay back what we are given. And we will, eventually, default. And really, what is the point of the life of an artist if it's not for death? Isn't that the true point of art? Creating it, collecting it, a reaction again to death? A rebellion against the end of existence? The drive to leave a legacy? Isn't that what we've done since the dawn of time? Scrawled pictures of ourselves on cave walls so there will be something of us that lives on after we are gone? Fame, fortune, the glory of God, the glory of self, blah, 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 blah. Sure, all of that. We use whatever inspiration we can salvage. But beyond that, Beneath the flicker of a torchlight with which the prehistoric painted on the walls of their caves to Michelangelo's chisel on the marble, you can hear the tiny refrain of the artist crying into eternity. Me! 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 Remember me! I was here! I mattered! We make art for the same reason we have children to fool ourselves into thinking we will live on after our death. M wasn't working hard enough because it doesn't understand death. If it didn't understand the human condition, that we are all racing towards descent, decay, destruction, then how was it going to produce anything meaningful? I couldn't make M a mirror of myself unless it learned what it means to stare into the void and feel the terror of not knowing what is out there. Heaven, hell, or worse, nothing. So M would have to learn. Finding data to feed M was easier than I thought it would be. It turns out that through the history of art, there's no shortage of works exploring death. And like everything, the Greeks seem to have thought of it before everyone else. Thanatos and Eros, death and sex, the two great drivers of art since antiquity. There are only really two modes for humanity when you get down to it. If M couldn't understand Lus, I could at least teach it to understand death. And I started with Bocklin, of course. The Isle of the Dead. The painting where he buried his poor, dead infant daughter. Some munch, naturally. Schenk and his sad sheep, 
What else? There was so much to choose from. Books, Hollyworks, Book of the Dead, The Fatalist, Closeted Strongmen of Modernist Paris, all the Hemingway I could torrent. Movies too, starting with Bergman and the classics, getting trashier as I went. Platoon, Taxi Driver, The Killing Fields, pretty much everything Hollywood made in that glorious decade between directors discovering LSD and discovering cocaine. An immediate change for the weirder, if not the better. With each work now, I could see Em grappling with what it was learning, trying to incorporate these new concepts into what it already knew. Recognisable shapes starting to form from the abstract blurs and digital noise. The shadow of what might be a man standing in front of a funeral pyre. A sudden, startling portrait of the red-headed pixie dream girl, now horribly distorted. A single tear weeping from a third eye. How Em learned about the third eye, uh, I don't know. Maybe I went too hard on the movies from the 70s?